Hi, I'm Tom Woods, and you're listening to the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the statist quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. I'm your host, Doug Stewart, and I have a recorded interview between Dr. Norman Horn on the Anarcho-Christian Podcast. And guess what? They're talking about Ayn Rand and things that Christians should be thinking about, how to you know analyze and assess some of the things that she has written, some of the things that she believes. She was a devout atheist. She even had criticisms for you know the name libertarian. She didn't call herself a libertarian. She called herself an objectivist. So Dr. Norman Horn was asked to join the Anarcho-Christian Podcast to talk about Ayn Rand, and they graciously allowed us to use this for one of our episodes. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited to have Dr. Norman Horn on today's episode to discuss a very influential and controversial figure in libertarianism. And that is none other than Ayn Rand. But first, the guest. Dr. Norman Horn is the founder of the Libertarian Christian Institute, also known as LCI. He holds a PhD in chemical engineering and a Master of Arts in theological studies. He is also the author of multiple peer-reviewed publications in science, economics, and political theory. So, why are a couple of Christians talking about Ayn Rand? Well, let's get into the conversation. Dr. Norman Horn, how are you doing today? Oh, dude, I am just wonderful. I really appreciate you having me on your, your podcast. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I've been a big fan of the Libertarian Christian Institute for a long time. I appreciate everything that y'all do over there, oh, thanks, all of man. <laughs> the podcasts, the writings, and, and everything. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, associated with a book that LCI put out or helped put out, and uh, it's called Called to Freedom. Yep. And you wrote the foreword for this book. And in the foreword, you had a couple of sentences that really stuck out to me. They really resonated. And I wanted to have you on today to discuss that statement and Ayn Rand, right whom you're referring to in the, <laughs> in the comments. So I guess before we get started, let me, let me read off that, the statement. Uh, you say, the specter of Ayn Rand loomed over the libertarian movement. And I, like I said, that, that statement really resonated with me. Could you tell the audience, I guess, a little bit more about what you meant by that? Sure. Uh, flesh it out a little bit. Yeah, okay. There's a, a well-known book in the libertarian movement called It Usually Begins with Ayn Rand. And uh, that's, you know, it's appropriate um, because a lot of libertarians kind of come to an understanding about liberty having started reading Ayn Rand. Now, that wasn't me in particular, but I know plenty of people who were like that. I met them as, you know, they were students. I've met them in, you know, the LP. I've met them, you know, just wandering about in the libertarian movement in various respects. But, you know, regardless of wherever you end up going, you're probably going to meet somebody who started off this way with Ayn Rand. And so, you know, that's a good thing on some level. I mean, we want people to, un to come to a better understanding of liberty, um, but there's some negatives to it as well. And, I, and that's kind of the, the crux of the statement is that there's, 
you know, this, this sort of, well, for lack of a better word, I mean, that's why I wrote it this way. There's kind of the specter of her, of Ayn Rand, kind of that is always around us in a sense. Mm. Uh, she's, she's had a great influence upon uh, liberty and, and the libertarian movement as a whole. And so, you know, it's appropriate to kind of call that out and for good and for, and for ill uh, in, in both respects. So I, that's, that's sort of the, the genesis of it is recognizing how much influence that she's had and saying that, you know, that's a good thing, but it's also got its negatives as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And with the topic of the book Call to Freedom and with our mutual focus on our podcast, you know, it's a big deal to Christians a lot. It's something that as I've worked through libertarian thought and discussed that with people that were libertarians and not libertarians, it is something Ayn Rand just inevitably gets brought up. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, your next sentence here in that forward, I think really sums up the Christian aspect to it. And you said, her strident atheism was frequently associated with libertarians, despite the fact Rand personally opposed libertarianism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to break that down a little bit. And I guess just say on the onset that I'm not an anti-Ayn Rand person. And I, and I know that you're not either. And so I, I don't want anyone to um, get the wrong impression as we start into this conversation. And also that there is this, this looming over, as you refer to, within the Christian side of this conversation, but also even in the non-libertarian, non-Christian side of this, where she has, I guess, affected libertarianism in, in that way, someone who would be more progressive or a Democrat or something like that. And um, so I want to get into all that. And before we do get started into that, though, Maybe we should just back up a little bit for any listeners who aren't totally aware and give a little bit of a, a history of Ayn Rand. Can you tell us who who was she? Who yeah. was Ayn Rand? Well, for I guess the, the best way to just to kind of begin with her is well, literally from her beginnings. Ayn Rand was born in Russia back in the early part of the 20th century and experienced even the communist revolution of that time. And that affected her greatly. She eventually found her way into the United States uh, and appreciated the political liberty that uh, that one had, limited as it was, it, you know, admittedly, uh, but recognized that that was a great value in contrast to the communist way of life and how that dominated ultimately, you know, what Russia slash Soviet Union. And uh, her experience, though, kind of led her into philosophical musings. And ultimately found herself really, you know, using her, uh, her ability to tell stories as a means by which to communicate philosophical ideas. And so the two major works that everybody remembers uh, are her massive novels, The Fountainhead, and, and then the even larger one, Atlas Shrugged, uh, which have, you know, are often books that people encounter in high school and college and even as young adults that really explains the breadth of her philosophy that, that she kind of developed through those and, uh, and around those called objectivism. Uh, and objectivism is, you know, a, a philosophy that, uh, where you'll, you'll hear some, some kind of terms that, that float around there, things like the virtue of selfishness, which is really just a, a kind of pointed way of talking about, 
self-interest and why that's ultimately important. And, and that, you know, that, that's the types of things that you kind of hear that surround her philosophy. Yeah. And I've, I've heard people, you know, mention that and, and I guess in hindsight say that if she would have just picked a better word than selfishness, it may have been a little bit better, uh, I guess, uh, easier to swallow some of this philosophy if she would have chosen a different word. And um, I could see that going for, for both sides, for the, the Christian side and the, the non-Christian side. That's both um, critical of Ayn Rand. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think she probably chose that on some level because of it would rub up against people in kind of mm -hmm. an awkward way and it would force them to sort of think. And I think that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it, it definitely irks me a little bit just to, you know, it grates on you when you hear that, especially as Christians where we're, we're very much taught, you know, we don't want to practice selfishness. But if you kind of recast it and understand it as, well, it's about understanding the what is self-interest all about, you know, it becomes a little more understandable, you know, and then we even begin to recognize that perhaps the, you know, the way that the Christian can kind of even think about this is that we ultimately want to, even when we're practicing self-sacrifice, we recognize that our self-sacrifice is ultimately being done. We're exchanging something that we do not value or value less for something that we value more. So we're trading up even in that case. So what we believe is that even if it, you know, maybe hurts my physical body or I'm doing something that uh, is a, it diminishes me on some level that I'm doing it because I value something else more. Uh, and so in that respect, there's actually a convergence even of those kinds of thoughts is that, you know, I'm acting in my own self-interest, even when I'm making a sacrifice on some level, I'm exchanging something I value less for something I value more. And that, mm -hmm. that something that is more maybe, you know, the, the ultimately hopefully is for the glory of God. Like, so when you can, you can kind of see even those little, little small convergence points and, uh, and there are people who've recognized this. We've even got some articles up on um, on libertarianchristians.com at you know the Libertarian Christian Institute website that sort of explain this. Um, even back as far as before we actually you know created LCI, there was you know libertarianchristians.com was still the, it's the home. It was a website before it was a nonprofit, right? <laughs> and so yeah, I mean we've got stuff like that that's available for you to take a look at on on our website. I'm sure we can probably provide that for you for your show notes and whatnot. Oh, absolutely. And I will have a ton of show notes, I'm sure, whenever, you know, as I'm kind of taking notes here as we're, we're bringing things up. Yeah. So with the selfishness and objectivism, she always casts those to the opposite of something else called altruism. Right. And I think that this is really where her philosophy came into conflict with Christianity. Yeah. It, it, you know, and, and not just in our own thinking, but even in her teachings. So can you give us a little bit of an idea of what that means from Rand and I guess just the way that we generally understand that? Well, I think to Rand, altruism is kind of the opposite of acting in, in self-interest. And that is ultimately like the activity of trying to exchange things of, of greater value for things of lesser value is a, it's a poor activity. And to an extent, you know, Rand interpreted types of things that, for instance, that happen in the Christian faith as being, you know, altruistic in nature. But when you kind of peel back some of the layers there of, and even, you know, what we were just discussing, that what we realize is that 
you know, even even in what might be looked to the outside as being somewhat altruistic, the actual thing taking place. And when, for instance, when Christian charity occurs, is that we are exchanging things that we don't value or things that we value less for things that we value more. And so to that end, it's it's essentially acting in a self-interested manner, uh, even if it's clearly, you know, it, it appears from the outside that it's benefiting uh, somebody else more than perhaps myself. I mean, a very simple example would be, you know, is it altruistic to buy uh, a meal for the homeless guy that's at the, you know, at the corner of the street or something? Well, it's on some level, one might say, oh, well, that's acting altruistically. But on the other hand, uh, it's pretty clear that what I'm doing there is if I do that, I'm, you know, I go to McDonald's and I buy a meal or whatever for the guy there at the corner of the street, I I'm saying, what I value right now is that this guy has a meal more than the five bucks in my wallet. What I have currently, I value less than what I'm exchanging it for, which is the ability to provide something for somebody else. Like That's a good thing. And even Rand admitted that there are ways in which charity can act in this manner. But I think the, the idea from even Rand's point of view, I think, is to, to explain that recognize what you're doing when you're acting you know, in these sorts of manners. Don't just be like trying to, you know, be self-flagellating all the time by saying like, well, I have to, I need to hurt myself in order to benefit somebody else. Like realize that what you're doing is that you're exchanging value for value uh, when you're, when you're going through these types of activities. And I think that's where, you know, there's, there's some convergence in the Christian way of thinking and, and even the way that Rand thinks. Yeah. I've heard her defend her position of selfishness, but also helping someone else or someone else benefiting from her own selfishness. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes sense in the way that she is defining everything. And uh, this is where I think it is really good that, like you said earlier, the, the term is a little, you know, offensive, selfish, selfishness, but it does kind of force us to get into the philosophy of it yeah. and start discussing that. Which is, you know, that that's not necessarily a bad thing, and you could argue that it's ultimately a, a good thing. Well, and and I think there's, you know, another thing that kind of stands behind that a little bit is that, uh, you know, she she's all about the use of reason, uh, and this is something that we also can appreciate as Christians. Looking at Rand, is that she is endeavoring to establish a philosophy and a way of life that is congruent with the use of reason. And we believe this as well as Christians. I mean, we even have, there's a verse in the Bible that says, come let us reason together. Uh, and, that's a, and that's a great thing. The merits of reason are, are, you know, to be lauded and appreciated. Now, hopefully we'll, you know, we will get to a proper use of reason. Hopefully we will establish right premises so we get to the right conclusions as a result. But those means by which we get there, we appreciate and recognize as being valuable. And so as that pertains to altruism, at least I think this is the way that Rand kind of views it, is that altruism is a irrational way of acting because it's not really thinking, it's not really thinking through what you're doing. Uh, it's it, it's a, in the way that she's defining and constructing it, you know, it's realizing that altruism, and again, this is in her construction of the, the way of, uh, of the thought, that altruism is exchanging things of higher value for lesser value. 
in other words, diminishing oneself mm-hmm. as a result. That is an irrational way of acting, and we shouldn't do that. We should think reasonably. We should think rationally around our activities, and we may find that at least the reason for acting or that the action itself may end up being the same thing, but the reason for acting will be better understood. So, I, I mean, I think that can be valuable as well and, and, and a reason to appreciate <laughs> Ayn Rand and, and her work. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's a lot of value in having this discussion, or even if we don't come to a full agreement with each other, you know, between, you know, a Christian and an objectivist. What would you say has hurt libertarianism from Ayn Rand's uh, teachings or her, you know, just her fiction writing or whatever she, she's done and said out there, uh, just, you know, being this, this specter that's yeah. looming over this movement? What is it that um, exactly that that has hurt libertarianism for for both the Christian or the non-Christian perspective? So to her credit, of course, uh, Ayn Rand emphasizes individual liberty and capitalism, for instance, Mm -hmm. as being very important uh, for society in general and for individuals. Uh, Her emphasis on individualism is good to the proper extent, right? But where things kind of go off the rails on some level is the equating of libertarianism with objectivism, the whole of her philosophy. Now, while we can piece out and, uh, or we can tease out pieces of her philosophy that we appreciate and think are good, we also can recognize that she did go uh, in poor directions otherwise in many respects. You know, she has a very, you know, strong atheist bent to her. And that's uh, and that's obviously something well, we we can't accept that as Christians, and that we don't see that as being uh, appropriate. I mean, that's kind of de facto not mm-hmm. part of our faith. You know, it doesn't work like that. Uh, so, so you know, to that extent, if what you're doing in libertarianism is you're equating, well, the whole of objectivism is libertarianism, then well, that's a problem. And furthermore, uh, we we end up with an additional you know issue of Libertarianism is not an all-encompassing philosophy, and in fact, that's what Ayn Rand didn't like about it. Uh, mm. She felt that libertarianism was was essentially like a, a a degrading of her own philosophy. Like, well, like, well, it, it's not complete. It doesn't it doesn't have every. It's not objectivism, so that's why she doesn't like it. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's okay, you know, right? Because libertarianism is was never meant to be, you know, a complete philosophy of life. That's not what it is. It's a political philosophy that has many convergent points with other philosophies, uh, and and wh- it's why that we you know agree that or we would you know my contention is that libertarianism is the most consistent expression of Christian political thought. That's a, and that we th- find that to be a good thing, but it's equating with objectivism is kind of where things went off, and the reason I kind of you know say that that's what we see through history. I mean, that's certainly what I experienced as I began to learn more about libertarianism, you know, going on 20 years ago now, is that there was this, you know, sense in which, uh, if you, if you were, if you were coming to a libertarian understanding, then, oh, have you heard of Ayn Rand yet? You know, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. And I think that anyone who is coming to libertarianism already from a Christian background, you're going to be hit by that. Uh, At some point you're, you know, some relatives that are maybe already familiar with Rand and reject Rand, uh, that you are going to come into that, that objection. Well, you can't do that. 
or what do you mean? You know, are you going to start rejecting the faith now? Are you going right. to start, you know, equating all these all these Christian values to altruism and then reject your faith? Yeah, and that's and that's certainly a challenge. <laughs> we don't want that to be the case. We want to try to appreciate these good elements that she brought forward and whatnot, but to strongly, you know, act against those things that we clearly are are not for. Right, and we've already mentioned things that we do consider strong arguments from Rand and things that are valuable. What are some other good things that she's done for libertarianism? Oh, well, certainly, certainly just the fact that she's introduced so many people to ideas of liberty that I mean, who wouldn't otherwise know. I mean, that's a, that's a, just a terrific thing. I mean, we can grant that to her is that this is a, that what she did do was important for the libertarian movement. There's a lot of people who wouldn't be libertarians today were it not for what Ayn Rand has written. And, uh, you know, I mean, I hope that in a hundred years we'll at least appreciate that, but have different avenues by which people will, you know, come to a better understanding about libertarian philosophy. I mean, hopefully LCI will be one of those if we're still here in a hundred years, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Hopefully, in a hundred years, uh, we've convinced everybody yeah. to you know believe in property rights. That would be and, the uh, ideal. <laughs> right? yeah. there. We've just barely scratched the surface here, but I think that we've given a, a general idea. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people already listening they already know uh, most of this, at least in the encounters that we're describing. Uh, you know, encountering the objections to Ayn Rand. Or what would you recommend? from or about Ayn Rand for someone to dig in a little deeper? Yeah, there, she's, of course, written a lot of, of shorter essays that can help you to you know, kind of get familiar with, with some of the basics of her thought. Uh, and she's written some shorter works, and then, of course, there's the larger ones. And I, I mean, I think that, look, if you're, if you're a, a reasonably smart person at all, you can, as a Christian, go in and read these books and walk away, you know, having gained something. I, I believe that entirely. Like, I don't see any of her works as being like, oh, well, you should avoid this work because it's going to <laughs> it's going to make you lose your faith or something like that. No, it's, that's not the way this works. Like we uh, we we are able as Christians to take on all ideas and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So that's yeah. that's something you know that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do such a thing. So go read Anthem, go read The Fountainhead, go read the Atlas Shrugged if that's what you want to do. Um, it's a lot of work. I mean, to, to be honest, like I, like I haven't read everything. It's a lot of pages. Yeah, there. it's a lot of pages. And see, if that's what you want to do and go out and do, then you should, you should not be afraid to do so. We do not yeah. need to be afraid of Ayn Rand because she's, she's just one woman amongst many people who have, who don't believe. And so she's not to be feared. Uh, but you know, she is to be understood. And I think that's where, you know, we can, we can do that without necessarily having to engage with everything that she's ever written and enjoy it for what it's worth. I mean, some of the things are great stories and, and i I enjoyed reading Anthem back in the day and I've enjoyed reading the Fountainhead and I've enjoyed selections of Atlas Shrugged even. And, and like, I think that's it's fine to do. The other things that you can do to kind of help yourself in this respect, there are, you know, people have, have uh, endeavored to summarize her thought in various ways, uh, even from a Christian perspective. We've got some essays on, uh, on libertarianchristians.com that, that will help to, you know, bring some of that into focus. And that's a great thing. You know, so I think that that's a great way of doing it for sure. 
we'll make sure and provide you some of those things for your show notes as well. Uh, there's a book even that I recommend. I encountered this a number of years ago uh, by a guy named Mark Henderson called The Soul of Atlas. The subtitle is Ayn Rand, Christianity, and a Quest for Common Ground, which is a very interesting book about kind of looking at many things that Ayn Rand said from a Christian point of view and, and teasing you know, various things that are uh, positive and negative from, from her thought. So I, I definitely recommend that as well. There's a lot of stuff that you can do to benefit your, you know, to benefit yourself if that's what you really want to do. I would say that, you know, if what you're seeking is to, is just a better understanding of libertarianism and the influence that Ayn Rand has brought upon that, even picking up that book called "It Usually Begins with Ayn Rand" is is probably a good idea, as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree that this isn't something that uh, anyone needs to run away from or be shy of. I think that it's something that we should all at least have a pretty decent understanding of and also understand that she's not the only person that is kind of wrapped up in this larger libertarian movement that differs with other libertarians. Oh, for sure. And so I guess getting back to what started this whole thing, your book Called to Freedom. Can you tell us a little bit more about that book? Oh, I'd, oh, I'd love to. Uh, well, first off, I, I'll say, you know, it's not exactly my book per se. I, I was honored to be able to write the forward to it. It's a book edited by Elise Daniel, and it has contributions in it from uh, a number, well, a small number of, uh, of younger voices in the libertarian movement today who are also Christian. And uh, it, it's a wonderful little volume. You know, these, these folks came to me a few years ago and, and said that they were embarking on this book project and they were very interested in getting my input. And uh, I helped them to get their publisher with Wiffenstock and ultimately, you know, have helped them, uh, you know, raise some money with their Kickstarter and was very much a promoter of the book from the very beginning. And, and I absolutely love it. It's a great small work for introducing Christians to libertarian ideas. It's not even I mean, it's barely 150 pages long, but it's absolutely wonderful in its scope and breadth. Uh, of what it and what it accomplishes throughout, you know, the the work itself, and uh, they did a great job with it. Uh, we also have an we were able to help sponsor the audiobook version, so you can find on Audible and even on LibertarianChristians.com means by which you can purchase the audiobook uh, to listen to in your car or however you want to do that. And it's it's great, man. It's just it, it's really I can't recommend it enough as a as a great introduction to liberty for the Christian thinker. Yeah, I completely agree. I really enjoyed the book. I liked how each chapter was contributed by a different author. You get a you get a different feel for these different uh, thought processes, and each chapter is a is a different topic, mm -hmm. kind of that the Christian uh, has to deal with, or or anyone has to deal with with libertarianism. But it does keep bringing us back to this idea about Christians. Yeah, it it's really great at at uh you know it kind of teasing out from the scripture from Christian history, from modern history, you know, all the reasons why one would desire or look to, you know, to libertarian philosophy as having much better answers than what is currently out there today, you know, being proffered by Christians on either the left or the right as to how we should behave and interact politically in this world. Absolutely. And so as we're wrapping up here, Please tell the audience a little bit more about LCI. I'm sure that everyone listening is already very familiar, <laughs> but if if they're not, please you know let us know a little bit more about LCI 
and also I'll, I'll get those links from you for the show notes. Yeah, let me let me tell you a little bit about you know what LCI is all about these days and kind of what we're up to. So, for those who don't know, LCI's genesis was really in a in a website that I started back in late 2008, just titled libertarianchristians.com. And uh, my objective from the very beginning was to begin harmonizing or, or showing the congruence of Christian theology and libertarian ideas. And that evolved in, uh, into what is now the nonprofit. We're a registered 501c3 nonprofit uh, called the Libertarian Christian Institute, still located at libertarianchristians.com and contains all of the historical material from, from that, from the prior iteration. And, uh, and our mission is, very simply, to equip the church to promote a free society, and we're going to do that by creating the best content that we can that talks about the intersections of Christian theology and libertarian ideas. We believe, like I said earlier, that libertarianism is the most consistent expression of Christian political thought, and, uh, and so we do the best we can to help promote those ideas and to teach people how to do that. You know, our surreptitious goal elsewhere, in, in many respects, is that not only are we trying to you know, reach Christians with libertarian ideas, uh, but we also want to teach libertarians who may not know much about Christianity why Christians can be their allies and, frankly, tell them a little bit about the gospel while we're at it. And, uh, and that's a great thing. I, I, I kid you not, we get a, you, at least a few emails every year from people who uh, were libertarians and you know, they write to me and say like, hey, you know, I, I used to be a Christian or I, I've never been a Christian, but after you know, hearing a little bit about you guys, I started reading what you write. I realized that perhaps there were some things I didn't understand. And I'll, oh, by the way, I'm going to church now and I'm, uh, I'm becoming more you know, aware of what, uh, what God has in store for me. And it's, it blows me away every time, but I kid you not, it does happen. So it's a great thing. Uh, we're, we're, such, we're honored to be part of the libertarian movement and to be part of a ministry that has a reach into, into, into a demographic that perhaps, you know, maybe not be being reached very well. Uh, we find it a great way of starting conversations with people. I mean, it seems kind of weird when you think about it that you know people don't like to talk about religion and politics but somehow when we start it up together and we talk and we talk about nonviolence and the way in which we can interact as neighbors together uh, through the free market and make differences in people's lives without the use of force for some reason that just resonates with people who knew <laughs> you know so I, I think it's a great it's a great opportunity you know for at least for me personally to reach out to people and talk about ideas and make a difference in the world uh, and by golly, we invite anybody who is uh, who's interested in trying to participate in the mission. We take guest posts. We interact with libertarians all over. Uh, we will involve you if you want to do the work. You know, come join us. We're ready and waiting for you. That's excellent. And LCI and Anarcho Christian definitely share you know some of these same goals together. And so that's one reason why I wanted to reach out to you and, and have you on the show and. Uh, I just can't thank you enough for all the resources that LCI has been for me. Well, we're we're honored to be part of that, man, and we support you guys all the way. Uh, you know, we Lord knows that you know, put two libertarians in the room together, and you're going to get like five different views. And similarly <laughs> for Christians, but you know, it's a wonderful thing to engage with ideas, to be reasonable with one another, to learn from each other, and to always recognize that we're part of the same side, you and I, right? No matter what, no matter what, whenever we disagree, it's like, well, we're, you know, hey, so what? We're still Christians together. We're still trying to make a difference in the world for liberty and for Christ. Uh, let's keep going. 
Dr. Horn, I appreciate you coming on today and giving us your time and your knowledge on the subject. And I hope that we can do it again sometime. Well, like I said, Stephen, it's been an honor. I really appreciate it. Keep, you know, let's keep working together and we're going to do, we're going to do good things. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com. Hey, podcast listeners. Since you like listening to audio content, we wanted to let you know about a new audiobook titled Called to Freedom, Why You Can Be Christian and Libertarian. It's read by me, Jacqueline Isaacs, one of the contributing authors of the book, and every download helps to support the Libertarian Christian Institute. To learn more and to download the audiobook today, go to calltofreedombook.com.